This is Printed and Pressed. I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And I'm Andrew. And as you can see, we are in the layout for Printed and Pressed. Now more the yellow. I don't know if anybody noticed the change a couple podcasts back, but we're Your in. Your eyes are no libraries. longer bleeding. <laughs> and uh, mine is a, I'm assuming, an, an artist rendition of the Library of Alexandria. And then the other two are just. I'm assuming. I'm assuming. <laughs> Chris, no one knows what it actually looks like. I hope it looked like this because this is pretty cool. It. Oh my god. I feel like it wasn't in a cave. No. <laughs> it was in the city of Alexandria. I am assuming oh, well. it didn't look like I don't a care. cave. It's all good. This might even be where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. No, that's not true either. <laughs> all right. Um, but just for the record, we are streaming on YouTube, Twitter at printed n pressed, and yeah, also at Twitter anymore. On Rumble, whatever, X, whatever <laughs> the heck it's called. It still shows a Twitter symbol on here. Yeah. Streamyard, update your layout. Um, and also on Rumble, 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 Rumble. Let's get ready for that to Rumble. Anyways, um, I wish Rumble would fix their live setup so that I wouldn't have to create the stream like right before our stream starts. Kind of annoying. All right, but here we're not here to complain. We're here to talk about the Hobbit, which will lead to and some possibly complaining. complain about it. I don't know. Probably not. So <laughs> it's definitely but, uh, not my fa- favorite, you know, children book. <laughs> Uh, what is it? Joseph Rule something Tolkien? I can't remember. Was it Robert? Robert Rule Tolkien? I don't remember. Something like that. Sorry. I, I'm not as big of a fan, I, I guess, as uh, But his, his, one of his middle names is his confirmation <laughs> name. Cause... For sure. I don't think that's true, man. <laughs> wait, is it? Wait a second. Did I say Joseph? I don't think it's Joseph. Can you just look it up, Chris? Instead? Yeah, let's just look it up. I screw, I'm screwing this up majorly. So you're you're deviating it. real hard. Right? Ronald Real or. I don't know how to say Ronald. It. Is it Ronald? It's a rule, though. It's a rule, though. I yeah. know that. J-R-R. Is it Joseph, though, or is it John? John. John. It is John. John, Ronald, rule, token. Oh, God. Never used that word before. You know, it's always just J-R-R. Tolkien. I feel like we should have been prepared a little bit more for this podcast. Mm-hmm. It's not prepared and pressed. It's printed and pressed. I, I understand, but. All right. Anyways, going into this now, um, you can tell we're all the biggest Tolkien it was not around. his confirmation name, by the way. That's it wasn't no. What was Ronald it? was a substitute name favored by his mother, oh. <laughs> and Rule was possibly a friend of Tolkien's grandfather. Uh, but there's no apparent reason why he liked it. <laughs> so it's not like George R. R. Martin, who literally just threw his confirmation initial in there. Got it. I think, okay. I think he just added the R to be like Tolkien. I thought that. Well, was he did, but he probably did it because he had that name. Chris, in do you realize that other people have more than one middle name, right? Yeah. <laughs> not, yeah, but not I, looked up, the, I looked up the interview with George R. R. Martin, and he says, I All put right, that continue in there. Hey, I, now I have to look this up. Sorry. Why are you arguing about this? We already had this discussion about George R. R. Martin. Chris, I love how that's the thing you care most about for George R. R. Martin, and you don't really even want to read his books. It's kind of funny. I don't care. All right, let's move on. <laughs> and, uh, Will has actually drank at the pub that C.S. Lewis and Tolkien yes. actually hung out at. Eagle and the Child. I sat exactly where the Inklings sat, and I pretended I was writing. Their food was terrible, but the beer was good. Fair <laughs> enough. And you, and you felt the weight of the uh, the weighty authors that had sat there before you. Not really. Probably not. Are you even listening Sorry. to me, Will? You didn't I wasn't paying attention. I was he's, reading he's, what? Respond. 
he tuned you out like yes you do I, did. All the time. I said and you felt the weight of the weighty authors that ate yeah no food. honestly it was great going through that pub because they had a bunch of quotes from the different narnia books and from tolkien and then there was a bunch of other inklings that of course i already forgot but at the time i was like <laughs> wow there's so many other authors that were friends and i had no idea and at the time i looked up some blurbs and it's like you know they're just as talented but no one knows about them mm-hmm did you know that Tolkien did a translation of one of the books of the Old Testament for a specific set of translations of the Bible? There, there's a lot of burying there. <laughs> he, no, he actually did do a translation because because he's a philologist. That was literally his like trade. So mm-hmm. he did lots of lots of. Yeah, I like his Beowulf and I like his um, King Arthur translations. I can't remember for for the life of me which book he translated. But I, I know that he did do one for, I think it's called the Jerusalem Bible. I could be wrong. It's one of those, mm-hmm. though. Um, it was originally a French translation, and he did the English. All right. So getting started with the Hobbit. What are Hobbits, Will? Hobbits are essentially the stand-in for the British people. <laughs> Pretty this, much. They, they are. Know, so they have the same yeah. meeting schedule. They like to keep themselves. Like the, the uh, British country folk, I guess I should say. And, uh, yeah, they're... I really do think that's what the hobbits are supposed to be. It's just a normal British citizen. I mean, isn't the Shire supposed to be like the Oxford countryside? Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Having been there and then being going back and looking at his description, <laughs> yes, it is the Oxford countryside. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but in the story, hobbits are, as they actually have no real um, link to the other races in these books. So you don't, like, it's really anyone's guess where they came from. Uh, we know where Tom Bombadil. Yeah, yeah, we know where they Tom came Bombadil. from. Well, we already discussed this. Tom have, that, he does not feature in this book, so I, you know, he should have. <laughs> yeah, um, this is a, this is an oversight of yeah. Tolkien. Okay, in the movies they have pointed ears. I do not think they're described with pointed ears in the book, um, but they have really large leathery feet, so they don't need to wear shoes. Hairy they have very tops. And they did a good job with the feet in the movies. Yeah, and they, they're tiny. They're called halflings because they're only like three to four feet tall, and they live in holes, but they're not dirty, wet holes. They're hobbit holes. <laughs> so I liked, Which, um, I liked the description of the hobbits in this. It was very nice mm-hmm. actually reading it, and then like, okay, the movies didn't get too far off of the description for this. But yeah. unlike unlike the strangeness of this this one but we'll get to that later <laughs> um and the hobbits I, I don't i don't like the way the hobbits look but i did like this movie the old hobbit the cartoon hobbit there is actually cartoon lord of the rings too but we'll get to that later yeah i do prefer mm-hmm. how the dwarves are depicted in that cartoon version because it matches the book descriptions much better mm. not yeah and yeah especially bomber um but uh <laughs> the fatty so this is basically a children's adventure book set in Middle Earth. Yes. Yeah. And Bilbo, it's told from his perspective. Pretty much most of the most of the books told. It, from the there's Bilbo a book. there's a third person narrator, I would say. Mm-hmm. But 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 I'm saying like the narrative is driven. It's by following Bilbo him. Yeah, it's close third person because you hear his thoughts. But then the, what what I like about this that's different from the Lord of the Rings is that um, Tolkien breaks the fourth wall. Yeah, he does quite a frequently. Lot. I like that. Um, it's something that it's C.S. Lewis does. Children, well. man. Since it's made for children, he breaks the fourth wall. Yeah. I feel like that is a common theme amongst children's books. At least with... with, Go ahead. I was going to say with this, I feel like it's only a children's book because he was still trying to discover what he wanted for Lord of the Rings. Like, 
Middle Earth as a story concept, was it going to be an adult fantasy or was it going to be children's? And with The Hobbit, his first foray into Middle Earth, it just seemed more natural, I think, to make it a children's book. Yeah, I would be curious how far he was into his world building when he wrote The Hobbit. I believe he already had a 500-page version of The Silmarillion by the time he published this book. Yeah. So basically, he built the Bible of Middle Earth before he wrote anything. I mean, we yes. can we can go through everything he well, well, we will be going through everything he talks about in this because he he touches on almost every major aspect of Middle Earth when it comes to mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, because you go through like a whole bunch of areas. He, cool. Yeah, this is a giant. I mean, if we had to compare this to one of the Narnia books, this is the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Or horse and you his boy. See a, or the horse and his boy, where you see a large swath, or even <laughs> the silver chair, where you get to see large areas that you've never been to before. Well, if you combine so, those three books together, you have The Hobbit. <laughs> no, yeah, like we said in our last episode, if you combine the horse and his boy, Voyage of the Don Treader, and the silver chair, you cross about the same number of locations, probably, mm -hmm. for discovery that The Hobbit does. And, and this book is not a hard read. I, I wasn't yeah. sure what it was going to be like going into it again, or maybe for the first. I don't know. I'm, as I was going through, I was like, this might be my first time actually finishing The Hobbit. I don't actually know. Really? Yeah, I thought I had read it years ago, and maybe I did. I, there's a lot of stuff I did not remember. When, when I read this book, I have to say it makes me wish that he used a little bit more of the style when it came to the actual Lord of the Rings. Oh, really? Yeah, because... I don't, maybe it's just the subject matter difference, but he gets really, really dense chap. Some chapters are too dense in like two towers, the second half. You hate the two towers. <laughs> I despise the two towers when it's just Frodo and Sam. I just can't. So Andrew's only going to review the first half of the two towers when we do that one. <laughs> I might not finish the second half because it's just that much of a slog for me. I'm going to rewatch the movie. <laughs> I've never read it like, at, like um, individually before. So I, I guess I don't, Necessarily, you're at the pacing. Oh, yeah, okay. We'll talk about those books when we get to those. Yeah, books. when we get to them. <laughs> All right, so let's 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 go through the journey, like a summary, a summary journey of the Hobbit. Yeah. Okay. So let's not delve too deep into the details. No, let's the, just go it, it'd take way too long. The book right. is big for a reason. Mm -hmm. So ba basically, it opens up with Gandalf saying hi to Bilbo. Mm -hmm. And then Bilbo's like, no adventures for me, friend, but come for tea time tomorrow. And then he shows up with all the dwarves, like four, uh, 12, 12 dwarves, plus Gandalf and, and uh, Bilbo. 13. He's the 14th member. Oh, you're right. You're right. 13 dwarves, plus Bilbo, plus Gandalf. Yep. 15 people total. Sorry. Yeah. And basically, they go through and they have like this whole big scene and inside of Bilbo's house. And, and they bump the forwards for break adventure. The Blunt the knives, break the bend the forks, whatever that poem it's is. A whole whatever Bilbo hates. Sesh, okay. Yeah. There's a whole music session. It sounds like a really good party. Dwarves yes. seem fun. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but it's a great honestly, like reading as a kid, it's just goofy and silly, but reading as an adult, it's it's actually a really good way of showing how different the hobbits are from right. the dwarves right. and how it's gonna lead to a lot of contention later. There's the a lot of good imagery in those in that scene. And then once they leave the Shire, which is, you know, Bilbo wakes up late and they're like, you got to be there by 11 sharp is what Gandalf tells him. You got 10 minutes to get there and he forgets things. Mm -hmm. And when he gets there, one of the dwarves is already ready to hand him some extra stuff that they've got. So they're pretty good at sharing right out the get go, which is nice. 
And then they set off on the adventure. That's like that meme. Mm-hmm. I'm off on an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Uh, and I, okay. Remind me the first place they go through is. I mean, they're on, they're just. What was, the, what was their first part of the journey? The first part of the journey is just that same one that. They... Well, they go through that town, right? Wasn't no, that I town mean, they go through first? No, not really. No, they, no. they're going, they, they're leaving the town. Yeah. And they're going towards basically for everyone who that doesn't mountain. know where Elrond lives. Yeah, it's Rivendell. The, the same Rivendell. Rivendell's right. Yeah, was, that's what I couldn't think of. You got the countryside on the way to Rivendell, and they get stopped by some by trolls. The, by trolls, yeah. One of which is named William. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't. Yeah, also, I really, I much prefer the scene in the books of this than in the movie because the movie does not. This is supposed to be like the show, like Bilbo's worth, mm-hmm. and how he delays them, knowing that they'll turn to stone. Where in the movie, that doesn't really happen. Well, Bilbo doesn't delay them. Gandalf does. Yes. Well, Gandalf cracks a stone and like lets the light in, which is is so stupid because why? Like the trolls would not no, have been able book, to get back. Gandalf actually do- is the one that does the delaying. What? Yeah, it is Explain Gandalf. This. Dude, you need to reread the book. Yeah, Gandalf, I don't remember it this way. Gandalf does the does the delaying. Right. And then but you're talking about the troll scene. So we need to get to the <laughs> trolls first before we do the troll scene. But it does show Bilbo's worth. I agree. Uh, I can't find a map. I thought there was a map in the book. I was gonna walk us along the map in the book, but nope, never mind. Um anyways, has a map. so they get to the trolls, and 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 the first the first thing that happens is essentially they have Bilbo go out as the as the burglar to go mm-hmm. and scope it out. He gets there. They essentially catch him, right? Yeah. And then they find out about the other dwarves, and then the other dwarves get caught too. And they talk about stewing them. At least some of the dwarves. I don't remember if all of them get caught. And then you know they delay them long enough with the trolls, with just distracting them with various conversations. Yeah. And Gandalf brings the light in, which turns the trolls to stone. And then they bury the trolls' gold, which comes in handy later, way yeah. later. Um, and then so basically, Bill. Bo's distractions and talking to the trolls prove some worth and they start to gain a little bit of respect for him. And then when they leave the trolls and Gandalf's with them, they head to, I think it isn't the next part, the goblins. Well, I just want to point out you guys got to, Bilbo doesn't distract the trolls. It was Gandalf. That's right. It was Gandalf. Never mind. They don't respect, they didn't gain respect for uh, Bilbo yet. They were mad at him because he didn't come warn them. He tried to pick the pocket and got. Oh, that's so. right. Yes, he tried to pick the pocket, recognized, and they found him. That's right. Yes. So he, right. And he's the reason they all get caught. So he didn't gain any respect. Yeah, yeah he does try to pickpocket the. Tr- the yeah. I forgot about yeah. that. That's right. Yeah. So Gandalf is the one that distracts him at the end. Yeah. And then Gandalf proves his worth, and then eventually Gandalf, when he leaves, is when Bilbo starts proving his worth. But. Yeah, um that's further along now but the next thing they do is they wind up in rivendell that had to be short because i don't remember that being that big of a significant part of the book rivendell they go there they find out another clue on the map of elrond oh that's right yeah it's really short shows the special runes that's right because he yeah he explains it to and them. then right. elrond gives uh tells them what path to take through the misty mountains 
Yeah, it, it yeah, forget Elrond, who cares? Yeah, it's going. a very brief thing. There's a lot of elf songs that are gibberish, silly stuff, <laughs> which the elves are not nearly as silly creatures when it comes to the Lord of the Rings later, mm-hmm. but uh you have that they then go into the mist that was probably the most boring part of the book was the elf part it is yes so then they get it from the elf to the mountains and that's when they encounter the goblins uh they are trying to seek shelter from the storm in a cave because the goblins find them storm and then goblins ambush them at night take them prisoner all except for gandalf who then runs to their rescue and attacks the goblins basically the same way it happens in the movie without all these random mm-hmm. without all the random like parapets and stuff like i don't i still don't understand how they set that up where it's like a giant cavern that's all wood and stuff it's actual caves and tunnels in this so mm-hmm. uh so but isn't this also where bilbo falls down into the pit? yeah so in the in the grand escape they're trying to get through the tunnels they get uh attacked again by some goblins and they drop Bilbo, who gets knocked out. And he wakes up, finds this ring My on the precious. Yeah, he finds a ring on the mm-hmm. floor of the cave and is lost. So he picks to go one direction. This is when he finds Gollum. Mm-hmm. He has to do the riddle game, does the riddle game. It's and then, not and then that important. It's really not that important. What have I got in my pocket? And That's my favorite yeah. scene of that book, though. <laughs> I know. I love that scene so much. It's what so do I have in my pocket? He wins the riddle game. Because Gollum thought it was a riddle. And it was yeah. absolutely not a freaking riddle. Yeah. Imagine feeling... I mean, Gollum's like, been isolated for a long time. Chris. I know, but okay. still. So he goes through that... Gollum was going to plan to kill him, but he puts the ring on, hides from him, follows him to the exit. Mm -hmm. And then he manages to escape past the goblins since he's invisible. And then finds the rest of the party that had abandoned him, so to speak. And Gandalf lets a lightning storm out and kills the king goblin. Now that, well, that was earlier. Oh, right. That was earlier. When he gets them free. They kill the King Goblin. Um, but I read this book very fast, so forgive me if my details are screwed up. <laughs> so then this is when the dwarves start to actually think he's impressive. Just a little bit, because he managed Because he was escape, invisible. Duh. And then he snuck up on them. <laughs> the, yeah, he gets past the sentries. Oh, yeah, yeah. he didn't explain the ring yeah, yet. He does, he, he's, he's hiding, hiding the ring from them so far. And then you have them trying to continue on their flight away from the Goblin fortress and they only get so far before they're caught up by wolves on accident and then they're chased into trees yeah because the wolves are different they're actually talking creatures in this they aren't it's it's a lot more like narnia than you think Mm -hmm. right so they're at they accidentally stumble across this wolf meeting because the wolves are going to work with the goblins to attack the humans in the region and they're having to hide in the trees. The wolves realize they're there. They mm-hmm. keep them in the trees. There's this whole thing where Gandalf tries to set them on fire. It doesn't really do much. And then the goblins show up and light those trees that they're in on fire. Mm-hmm. And the eagles, everyone loves the eagles. Yep. Giant birds in this case that can also talk. Mm-hmm. They fly in and 
rescue the entire party because they also hate goblins and wolves. <laughs> mm -hmm. So they bring them to safety at their mountain peak, right? And then there's an agreement to continue with the, uh, to aid them in their journey further. So you jump from there down to the next location, which is, uh, what's his name? Bjorn. 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 Which, there's nothing further about Bjorn later in this universe. Yeah, there is. is there? Yeah, he comes in. He shows up and just like he basically ends the war. No, no, not in this book. I'm talking. Yes, he does in this book. He comes. I'm not talking other... about this book, Chris. I'm talking. Oh, about you mean in any of the other books? Later books. Yes. Oh, okay. I was gonna he's, say, yeah, he's one of those important in this. You book. know, one of the many unexplained creatures that Tolkien he's likes a, to throw but, in. He, but he's okay. He was set up in this book to be more important later. The way he, he's talked about and how he's, his descendants and everything. And Is he in the Silmarillion? I don't know. No. But but no. in this book he's set up, they talk about his descendants and everything being strong and influential. Mm -hmm. Which is why the fact that they never show up later on in Lord of the Rings is really annoying. Um, <laughs> this is actually the biggest hole in the story that annoys me after reading the hobbit multiple times but so they bump into bjorn and gandalf does a whole trickery thing so that they don't overwhelm him trickery thing <laughs> yeah because he's like okay we're going to show up gradually so he doesn't yeah. realize there's a whole 15 of us okay gradually. Guys? so slowly he does this thing where he has he's telling bjorn the story of their journey and everything they've done then he has the dwarves show up in groups of two every five minutes after it works to interrupt the story it makes Bjorn want to hear the story even more and it just captures his attention and then he goes verifies everything actually happened while they're sleeping and then offers them aid on their journey which helps them get to the next next area which is Merkwood mm -hmm. a dark dangerous forest which nothing good lives in not Apparently really. nothing worth eating either. Nothing worth eating, filled with nasty spiders and mm -hmm. whatever else lives in the dark, right? Um, they get to this river, this uh, dark river that just kind of puts you to sleep and erases yep. your memory if you fall in it. Sadly, the fat's a bomber. Yeah, bomber. Falls in, bomber, bomber falls in. Yeah. Then they have to lug him around once they are... Uh, deprived of food right mm -hmm. so no one's happy with him and that's where they get desperate right because they've been going through this forest for a long time and they end up breaking the one rule they're supposed to follow which is stay on the path and right. they go and they try to talk to a group of elves who just keep i guess Lucy with the footballing them when it comes to yeah, holding just like as soon as they show up, lights go out. Yeah, know. lights go out. They get confused, and now they're just lost from the path altogether. Uh, this is where you get a the scene where um, they're attacked by spiders. Mm -hmm. Bilbo rescue rescues. That's where he names the sword dwarves, Sting. Right? Yep. He names it Sting in this area of the story. My favorite part about that is he talks about how the sword keeps getting more and more excited the more spiders he kills. It's like <laughs> the sword keeps getting more excited, huh? I mean, it does glow, man. <laughs> it does glow, Chris. It's just okay. a funny way to describe it. Um, I'm sorry. 
But yeah, yeah so blue, he res- white or rescues whatever. the dwarves. This is when they really like start to respect him. Yep. They are eternally grateful to him because this is the first time he actually saved everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And then they continue to get captured by the wood elves. And Bilbo follows them there. Mm-hmm. And once in the, well, they have this, uh, I guess, palace, mm-hmm. fortress. How would you guys describe it? The Elven Castle, bro. There's a king. It's a castle. It's a little bit both. I would say it's a, like a fortress, but fortress. It's basically not as, not as nice as the other elves. It's basically Elven Helm's Deep. Yeah. I like how when he's describing, there's like all these different kinds of elves, and then there's the wood elves. <laughs> yeah. It's like so, one of the things yeah, you can't the take wood. the time to, to explain to everybody. So he, they have the dwarves prisoner, and they're trying to figure out what they're doing. They don't like dwarves. There's and they don't want to give away the gold. I, they don't want to tell them about the gold. Yeah, they don't want to tell them about the gold. So Bilbo has to find a way to rescue them. And the way he, puts he rescues on the one them, ring to save them all. Yeah. He he's getting used to being invisible at this point. Yep. Let's just he's constantly yes. wearing this ring. Um so he's and he finds a way to rescue him by putting them in barrels. That are going to be sent down to the lake town. Mm-hmm. Right. So the entire next stage of that journey is them in these barrels going down to the lake town. And then that's what? where they fight uh goblins and stuff. <laughs> oh, you're saying the movie. In the movie, and yeah. I'm sorry. So confused for a second. I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> no, yeah, uh, that did not happen in the book. No. <laughs> everyone uh we can we can critique the movie once we're through the summer <laughs> uh then at lake town bilbo gets them all out of the barrels they're they welcomed. Bard, the boatman not yet no they didn't mean bard yet i don't know what just happened to my mic can you guys hear me now yeah we can yeah. hear me they didn't meet him yet they go they, they go to the city the town it's more of a town they go there. They're welcomed as heroes because you know Thrain is. Oh, okay, fair enough. I understand. I was, I was skipping this part. Okay. Yeah. So they're there. They have all of this this glorious welcome. They're given aid because everyone's like, oh, they're going to go reopen the mm-hmm. mountain and send gold to us for free. <laughs> and that's how. At least they think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and that's how Bilbo and the band of dwarves make it to the mountain get to this special little ledge with the secret door mm-hmm. and they find their they find out how to open it bilbo goes well bilbo tr- once again outsmarts the dwarves at this part of the journey and like hey guys look it's the keys here and all the dwarves are like away and they barely make it back in time to turn the key yeah they they uh steal from a dragon yeah well bilbo does none of the dwarves bilbo does <laughs> Annoys the dragon greatly. Yes. Which uh, then he realizes because he's a barrel rider that he must be from Dale. The lake town. Yeah. We haven't gotten to that point yet. He's seen, he flies around, sees the ponies. He he already thinks they're from Lake Town. Yeah. And then he right. smells the doors and he like through that, the name game or whatever. He then, yeah, because the second time Bilbo goes there, they have Smog a discussion. Knows he's yes. there and they have a whole discussion of riddles and. He talks about how the bewitchment of the dragon 
but because the dragon can kind of convince you to give more information away than what you should well they you're under a spell of sorts by a dragon right <laughs> apparently so yeah if if it wasn't for the fact that hobbits are difficult to bewitch generally mm -hmm. speaking bilbo probably would have just walked into smog so <laughs> that's part of the uh narration there in that part of the story clearly so, tolkien liked his hobbits to make he them so loves hobbits, yeah and then uh Smog decides to when he can't kill those guys, he decides to go attack the lake town. Yep. But prior to this, Bilbo had found out that there is a weak spot in his armor on the on his belly. Yeah, by playing up his uh his um ego. Yes. And uh in that moment too, a bird, a thrush overhears them. Yeah, well they're magical thrushes that were part of the kingdom when it was still Erebor. Yeah, they were so part descendants of, of those magical thrushes. Yeah, yeah, the, which could talk to the people of Dale, mm -hmm. and it just so happens that Bard is a descendant of the people from Dale, mm -hmm. right? And that's who the thrush goes and talks to, and tells about that. So while the dragon is attacking Lake Town, Bard manages to hit him in the weak spot with an arrow, killing him. Mm -hmm. Right, so that's how Smog dies. The dwarves never know any of this. Yep. So they're just wandering around the the mountains scared. And then eventually they're told that Smog is dead by a raven, mm -hmm. which could also talk to the dwarves. And then it's just a mad dash. Everyone wants the gold, right? Yep. You got the elves coming. You got the people of Lake Town. You got the dwarves sending for reinforcements. Mm -hmm. And... There's also the orcs, the goblins coming. So the people from Lake Town, they want money as restitution, right? Yep. The elves are just greedy. Yep. Little bastards. I mean, and the dwarves are, you know, retaking their homeland, but they're also greedy. The dwarves are more greedy than their own good, right? They're, they're also, at least, um, Thorn is suffering from dragon sickness. Yeah. So, and then there's the, um, oh, what's it called? The Heart of the Mountain. It's not as big of a deal in the... It's a big though. deal in this, in the, it's still a talking big about deal. The, uh, you're talking about the, the, the Arkenstone? Yeah, the Arkenstone. Uh, okay, so yes, because uh, Bilbo takes it as his... Yeah, he his steals part. it, technically. Yeah. They make a much bigger deal of that in the movies, though, so it's not... Not well, I mean, it's a it's a big deal for, like, two scenes. It's the only reason that there's any compromise with it. Yes. Yeah, because as soon as he finds out Bilbo did that, and Bilbo's like, "That's my one fourteenth share," he, he immediately disowns him yeah. altogether. Like, "Screw you, Bilbo! You're not my yeah. friend anymore." After all they've been through, right? Right. Well, because the best part is he just completely man. dismisses the the role of the men in killing Smog. It's like, oh my goodness. Yeah, that that's the wild part is he's not even willing to like. Okay, yeah, you guys just had your town destroyed, but you well, it's a dragon sickness. Smog. He's he's infected. Yeah, yeah. terrible greed. This dragon mm -hmm. and then um in that whole time the reinforcements show up but at the same exact time the or the goblins show up not the so, exact same time it was very you know, like immediately though. after they the barely started and that's what finally knocks thorin out of his dragon sickness to fight with his you know his family and his yeah. soon-to-be future friends before right. he dies <laughs> before um, he's dead yes 
So they all fight and stave off the well. They almost lose, and then the yeah, Eagles, the Eagles come. They drop Bjorn. Yeah. Bjorn kicks yeah. And then at the very yeah, at the end of the the battle, Bjorn shows up and just ravages everybody. Just right. like wrecks off, those off camera though, man. It yeah. happens off camera. We don't even get to read about it except as like a he showed up and just. Well, because as soon as Bjorn trying. shows up, <laughs> Bilbo gets knocked <laughs> out. Yeah. So that's it. Well, I mean, can you imagine writing a kids' book and explaining what the what the bear did to the goblins? Oh, like yeah, that? No. You can't be pretty that. difficult. I'll <laughs> agree to that. And then at the end, you know, so Bilbo, Bilbo got just in time to say bye to his friend Thorin. Yep. He gets who to forgives say goodbye. Him, says he's a good person. He sent home with the armor, uh, his sword, and like two chests of gold. Which I always thought from the get-go, like the only way Bilbo could have his one fourteenth share of this gold is if he, you know, stays there. What is he going to transport that much gold back to the Shire? It'd take him like ten trips. I mean, he almost died on the first one. He'd be rich enough to do it. Well, doesn't he dig up the troll gold? Yeah, he, does he does do that, yeah. Yeah, but that's more yeah. to buy back his own possessions. So, I mean, after that, he gets to, he basically takes a short trip back with Bjorn and Gandalf. Gandalf. Mm -hmm. Then they make it back to Rivendell and stay there for a while and then go back to the Shire where he finds out that his idiot relatives are trying to sell his stuff. <laughs> yeah. The Sackville Bagginses. Yeah. Who he blames for everything. Yeah. Yeah. And then his reputation the never recovers. <laughs> Well, yeah, because reputations are based on never doing anything. Yeah, yep. because he's not a—he's too much tuck. He's not enough beggins. Mm -hmm. well, my my favorite part about this was just now. I had thought all along that Bilbo is based on C.S. Lewis, but no, Treebeard is apparently based on C.S. Lewis. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did not know that until just now when I looked it up. I was trying to figure <laughs> that out. That's funny. Anyways. I, well, yeah, he's like, because he's talked slow and he's wise. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, basically, <laughs> that's basically the entire summary of the book right there. Mm -hmm. And I think my biggest takeaway was that's a lot of scenes, right? That's a lot yes. of places to explore in one book. Oh, we missed the uh, um, mountain, the mountain giants, whatever they're called. Rock oh. giants. Oh, that was the reason they had to take shelter yeah. earlier. Yes. On. With the, they were with a thunderstorm. That was why. Yeah, sorry. Also, it's just you're talking about so many things happening, and that was. We also thing. forgot to mention that Gandalf left them right yes. when they were about went into after Mirkwood. Yeah, yeah after when Bjorn. they were going into Mirkwood, he left them because he had to go investigate a necromancer. Yep. Who's important in a different book, and I like how he mentions that like six times. Yeah. But that's, I mean, let's, like, this is a story for another time. That's like what five different locations that mm -hmm. he explores. He he got, visits got the Shire, range. the Shire, the first mountains, Bjorn's place, Rivendell, yeah, Shire mountains. I don't even uh, acknowledge Rivendell because that was the most boring part of the book. Well, yeah, I mean, there's the eagles. Yeah, but, but you also have to remember, Chris, is that he's the one who created elves that were beautiful, six foot tall. Yeah, creatures. They're not little. Which he wasn't exactly things. convinced. Not the clockwork that. elves. He wasn't exactly convinced of that vision for this book yet. Fair enough. Because he makes them silly. Yeah, really so. silly. Not the yeah, but book, just though. the fact that they're not little impish creatures is brand new. True, true. They're not little Dobbies from Harry Potter. Yeah. So yeah. like, I mean, someone, uh, you know, who read a lot of fantasy, but then going into this book would have been blown away probably because it's just, wow, this right. is totally different. And yeah, because be the elves being tall, six foot, beautiful creatures was never a thing before this. 
Not the, really. The thing I was going to say too is with how many locations that he does have in this book, it's kind of amazing how well he delves into each of them. So they all feel like a full sequence. There, it doesn't feel like you're just briefly touching on it. It's like, oh, I want to explore this more. It feels fully explored mm -hmm. when he actually brings you. Well, my, my favorite part is your quick little trip into Narnia with the Bjorn area. <laughs> it's like, oh, look, there's Narnia inside of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, no, like that's that's literally the vibe of it. But because that's my biggest complaint in something like Voyage of the Dawn Treader by with C.S. Lewis. Is you don't like, feel like anything is explored enough. Yeah. But in this book by Tolkien, he literally explores everywhere as much as yeah. I could have expected it to. What was there. your favorite area in the book? Oh, that's tough. Because I, I actually liked the Bjorn Mirkwood part the best, personally. I think that is the richest part of the story is Bjorn and then Mirkwood. And then mm -hmm. I, I think yeah. as far as themes go, though, I liked how how much greed drove the end of the plot. Because you go through this fantastical adventure just to find out that this hero who's been following along this whole way is easily tempted by, well, dragon sickness or greed. Really. Right. At the end of the day, greed. I mean, that allows that to influence all of his decisions until he finally wakes up out of it. Yeah, I mean, I thought in this book, I don't know if you guys kind of got this vibe at all, but Gandalf is kind of godlike for Bilbo. He so he or kind a prophet, of is. Or I'll, a prophet. I'll, well, let me explain. So he gives Bilbo a challenge or slash adventure, and it is at the time of his choosing, not Bilbo's. And Bilbo right. doesn't have a choice right not really yeah and him so he can't run from this adventure and he, him not embracing it just makes it worse for him early on like he forgets or he doesn't get to bring his comfort items with him yeah, because he tried right. to fight gandalf who's kind of like his god right he's trying to fight him it's like or uh, at the very least a guardian angel yeah so okay, I'm gonna back this up. So just in Tolkien's mythology, Gandalf is a lesser god, right? Um, but if you want to relate to Christian mythology, because I know Chris is getting uncomfortable, yeah. he is he is an angel, right? That's what I'm saying. He'd be like a. It's not just, he's not necessarily a guardian angel as we would expect it, but he is an angel. Because I mean, right. Saruman okay. is as well. But yeah, but he's like a fallen angel. Mm, no, no not just, Saruman. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of. I'm, I was thinking of the other one. Sorry, I was thinking of Sauron. Sauron. Yeah, it's it's angel. difficult because he he very much uses the more of the way that like pagans would believe would mm -hmm. look at this. Whereas yeah. there's not lesser angelic beings. It's just lesser gods, and then there's the supreme god. So that's how he. Mor is Morgoth the bad one or the good one? I can't remember. Morgoth yeah. is the um, yeah. He's the first bad guy. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay. Who corrupts Sauron? And that's how you end up with the fallen, like the, what would be a fallen deity, I guess, in yes. this world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, but if you read the Silmarillion, which I recommend everyone go back, go. I did do this like over a decade ago. It is fascinating. <laughs> so the way that he d explains his mythology, honestly, you can tell he's wrestling with creation and cr his Christian beliefs, um, because it's very much like okay, the world gets sung into existence. All of these. Uh, angelic beings or gods are singing together and then there's one discordant note and that ends up being Morgoth um, but at the end Morgoth thinks he's creating something of his own but uh, he's just corrupting things no he's not even doing that so the the um, um, I'm I thought he did 
forgetting what the heck the guy's name is now. The the actual god. Um, is it L L A? It's like an A. Name, you're close right? to it. Yeah, I'm I'm blinking on it. Um, Asgoth? No, no. Anyway, that guy. There's two names for him, so I'm getting them mixed up in my head. So uh, the head guy basically sets them down. It's like, hey, you think you created this? I'm actually going to weave this into a, gra- a grander uh, orchestra, essentially. And then what? What happens from him singing that discord? Arrow Lubitar? Yes, Ayuvatar. Um, the how Morgoth, you know, sings his discordant note. That's what we're seeing. Out, and you're talking uh, about the Aener, the Aener were the holy holy ones, right? Aener, Aener, divine yeah, spirits. Yeah, it's A I N U R. Hmm, I don't know. I don't know that word. Okay. There's a Valinor and there's an Ainu, but I don't, I don't know that one. Anyway, so anyway, it, it's just it's just fascinating how he does this. Where this, you know, you have this what we would consider this evil being, but really it's just part of this grander picture that's going to create something better anyway sorry right. to, to uh sidetrack no i don't think no, we could ever like true i don't think we could ever truly cover the silmarillion on this podcast i think that would be a it'd multi-part be much, series man. it'd be like a multi-part series that'd be like by chapter by chapter going through it because right. that would be that yeah, but you be, remember how in yeah. narnia this is linking back to other books uh aslan sings narnia into existence yeah mm-hmm. it's it's very similar to that but on a more grand scale now, from when I rem- from reading the Silmarillion years ago, it was very grand scale yeah. that he goes by, and he's very detailed mm-hmm. about how he does it. You know, it's 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 basically his world's bible is is what it is. Yeah, it literally is. Right. Yeah, um, but speaking of that of morality, so um, something that is not as you don't really notice it when you read this book, but if you read the whole series, mm-hmm. is why does the ring not corrupt Bilbo? Do you know why? You mean not originally? Yeah, I mean he really never gets corrupted by it. He has it for a really yeah, freaking long the, time. It's it's about your nature. Yeah, it, so it it's, it it, um, it it tries to corrupt your very nature. Yes. So how is why you end up with? But um, uh, Gollum was also a hobbit. Yeah, right? which is why the comfort thing that I guess you would say Gollum is what Frodo would have become. For example, or Bilbo would have become because their lack of grandioseness, their desire for like the simple comforts is something that can lead to that hide yourself away isolationism that they that Gollum chooses, right? To be, oh, he can't risk anyone taking his ring, so he's mm-hmm. gonna seclude himself in the depths of a mountain. Yes, and also why okay, so I, I'm I'm leading you on here a little bit. Uh, so Bilbo, when he re- first gets the ring, he shows mercy to Gollum. He doesn't kill him. Yeah, he has a whole scene where he contemplates killing him, and he, he gives mercy. So that's the way he first takes on the ring is very important. Gollum killed Deagle um, mm. to get the ring, so it immediately corrupts him. Uh, and uh, the same thing is that Bilbo is able to willingly give it up, whereas it was taken from Gollum. So that's why mm. he can never actually let it go. Um, and it's, it's just important. The way that you receive the ring is, uh, you know, how it ends up corrupting you in, in the end as well. The same thing you see with, um, but that all comes to your nature, right? Yeah. It, it does come to your na- nature. So you can say like, which one, like the egg or the chicken, but, yeah. um, because the way you get the, the ring is totally tied to 
how you behave generally speaking yeah it is something that was written in one of his letters though i was like yeah. this is a, a theme that i was putting in there and <laughs> no one really got up on but well yeah i guess there is another point to be said there is that the reasons he uses the ring too are different than other people right so like he uses the ring to help other people specifically mm -hmm. frodo uses it to hide so it's yeah. kind of it's kind of a difference. Yeah, same Frodo, thing. Though. Same thing. He's using kind, it kind of because well, Frodo Frodo never uses it in the same way. I also didn't they tell Frodo never to put it on. Yeah, they did. It's a yeah, much different. It's a much different environment at the time. Yeah, that's true too because the the riders will find him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at the time, you know, Sauron now has a physical form. He can't leave yeah. his fortress, um, but he's actively looking for the ring. And he has the writers out. So him right. putting on the ring is not the same as when Bevel had it. But That's and again, point. something you don't see in the movies is that there's a 30-year gap right. between when Bilbo first takes it or you know takes off the last time and then you know Frodo gets it. Right. Oh, there's a 30-year gap between when he yes. takes it off. Yeah. It's when it's when um Gandalf goes and figures it out, figures out that that is the one ring. So oh yeah, there's there. that one little throwaway scene they added into the extended editions that kind of explains some of that. Yeah, they do in the show in the movies, going to look for it, but they do not. They don't tell you how long it is. Yeah, yeah. the um, sense. it. I think there's a lot too with how it's great that Tolkien likes to pick unlikely champions. Mm -hmm. I think that goes a long way in the. Uh, as like a moral lesson too because it's like you might be an unlikely champion but you have a ton of potential if you can overcome your self-doubt yep. and that's basically what gandalf is trying to tell everybody about bilbo the entire time is you'll come to be very happy with this choice as your burglar as long as things happen how he sees them right mm -hmm. not not to mention the fact that when he selects his unlikely champions, I mean, it isn't that foreign to what he would have been, you know, his his normal David and Goliath type stuff that he was reading yeah. at, at the time. So that doesn't surprise me. I mean, um, most most champions too have unlikely beginnings when you look at just human history. It's not very uncommon. Well, somebody who grows up in prosperity is generally not somebody that you that becomes a champion. I mean, it happens. But they're less likely than somebody who survives a whole bunch of ordeals to become the champion. Yeah. I mean, this whole, I mean, for this uh, story, though, the whole point of having to pick Bilbo to go on this journey is that they live in quiet times. Yeah. And that has resulted in very few mighty warriors mm -hmm. or heroes. Right. So that's why he's resorting to burglary. Um, but yeah. Wait, uh, I think the uh, the description of dragons was pretty, pretty good for this book. It's like they are just pure destructive greed and no beauty. Mm -hmm. That's how I like how the amassing like of gold books. wax dragons. What? what I like how the amassing of gold is what attracts the dragon and drives them to because mm -hmm. they go yeah. get more gold wherever they can talks about at how... the very least the fire drakes of the north i don't know if they all of the dragons in his mythos is driven by the same desire. they're the only dragons we ever see though fair enough unless you obviously the silmarillion has all of them but, but it doesn't count because yeah. they're not written into stories and i mean you have the fell beasts in the lord of the rings yeah they're um 
I think the oh with the ring too. I like Do those how, count as dragons though. The I don't think he ever describes what they are in the books. They're dragon like in the in the movies, but right. I think what they really mm-hmm. are are corrupted eagles. So who knows? Hmm. Fair enough. Right. There's um speaking of which, I thought it was interesting all the different birds he has in his books. Tons of birds. The eagles and then the ravens are the ones that are associated but don't with Don't you love how they all wars. talk as if it's Narnia? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, well, they talk, but only certain people can understand them. Yeah. Well, this book was like, published before Narnia, so I guess, isn't it interesting how Narnia is like, you know, <laughs> it's a joke, but yeah. <laughs> um, no, what did, what did you guys think of the finding of the ring, though? Because I thought that's one of my of, favorite scenes in all of I thought there was a lot of Middle symbolism Earth. in that. That is one of my favorite scenes in all. Please of the explain art. the symbolism that you saw, that you saw. I saw because he's at his absolute darkest moment. He's alone, isolated in the depths of a freaking mountain, right? Mm-hmm. And he reaches out and he finds this gem of an item, this this uh, absolute life changing, I guess, device that makes it like that. Just he brings forward to do so much with. It's. Mm-hmm. If you take that ring, it could be symbol symbolic for a lot of things because the circumstance of him finding it at that unexpected worst case scenario that he found himself in, I think is what the powerful message is. I think the, the other part of that scene is it shows that, well, you don't really see it, but the ring has like a will of its own and it wants yeah. to escape Gollum. So it, it gets lost, and Bilbo finds it. Bilbo is its key way out. It, that's not explained until later when you think right. about it. But um, it's kind of a... You never see that done to Bilbo himself. Because mm-hmm. Bilbo freely gives it. Well, freely. Well, I mean... I use that term loosely when you when you look at the movie Bilbo and how he gives it up. No, but I'm, no, I'm saying the ring is never really trying to escape Bilbo. The entire story, and he's using it everywhere where he could easily have, like, the ring should have betrayed him, like, around the time of smog. Why? If the ring was trying to go to the Dark Lord or something, giving itself, but how is smog going to get the ring? If it goes to smog, then uh, the the ring ain't leaving. No, but I'm saying like betraying Bilbo somewhere because there was um the whole point. If I if I remember it correctly, isn't a large reason for this journey to make it where smog can't ally with sauron yes later. that's what that is um gandalf's larger plan yeah oh so i didn't know that yeah it when you have that context it would have made sense for the ring to try to lose itself there but, but then would it, smog be willing to give up the ring that's another question probably not but who else is going to take the ring it's now isolated in a specific location easy to take but for an army of orcs yeah, I mean, it was the closest when it was in Markwood because that's the necromancer was there. But at, at the same time, yeah. when Tolkien wrote this book, that wasn't the Ring of Power. <laughs> so, I, I, oh, I guess yeah, that, that's my point. That's that's what I'm trying to get at. It's, it wasn't really that that aspect of it having its mind of its own is mm-hmm. not really super present in this book. But thankfully, it was easy to write it in there, like with all the yeah. loose context. It was it was a, it was an easy backfit. Mm-hmm. retrofitting the ring of power was not hard yeah i guess it just kind of shows you how powerful tolkien's ideas and writing are mm-hmm. like he didn't write a bajillion books like c.s lewis did but he really built this world 
I mean, he did the world building much better. But mm -hmm. I, and when I say that, I guess Mer when Bilbo Bilbo's darkest part of the journey is there at the bottom of that mountain in that mountain's core, right? When he finds the ring. But for their party, the darkest moment is clearly Mirkwood. Yeah. And I thought it was very symbolic when Gandalf has to leave them going into that darkest moment. Mm -hmm. And this is where I get the vibe that Gandalf is kind of written as a godlike character because it's that feeling where at your darkest moment, you might feel abandoned by God because you question why you're even experiencing that, that moment, right? And that's the symbolism I thought I was seeing in that when I read it. Well, not to mention that you don't, you know, without knowing what the necromancer is, you find out later Gandalf was dealing with the necromancer. Yeah, but I'm saying like when you when you look at imagine if the necromancer had come into Mirkwood, like the dwarves and and uh, Billow were done, they were done for. Yeah, I mean, he was in Mirkwood, but if it wasn't yeah. occupied, is what you're saying? Yeah. It, it's one of those things though, where when you pair the symbolism of when Gandalf leaves there, and then the symbolisms of how Bilbo's journey starts, I do feel like Gandalf is written a little bit more like a godlike figure. Okay. Yeah. Th that's what I was trying to say earlier. I know Chris gets uncomfortable with that, but it's not, it doesn't have to be pagan, Chris. <laughs> that's not, that's, I'm not uncomfortable with Gandalf being that style of character. Okay. I just don't, I don't necessarily agree with you though. Okay, I mean, I, th I think true. I think Gandalf is more like. Well, okay, so here's how I, I you see. Can, okay, you can say he's no, no, a guardian no. angel doing God's work. Let for me him, let but... me talk without interruption. <laughs> no, I see him more as like uh, uh, Raphael in the Bible, where he's like the guy that's on the journey with him, and cut, like kind of guides him all the way through. Uh, I forget what the which person it is, but uh, is it Tobit? No, it's not Tobit. Is it Tobit? It might be. Anyways, um, it's the part where it takes the sun on a journey to go meet the wife and guides him through everything he has to do to take his wife home. I know it's like a different kind of story, but no, that's I mean, what it that's reminds fair. me of. Okay. I guess, I guess it's Gandalf is a representative of God. I would agree with that. That That's yeah. what, I, that's what I'm trying to Bible, say. Man. Is it Raphael? I can't remember. I, I One of the angels guides, and this might be a deuterocanonical, you know, so, Pardon my Catholic. I mean, but, you named um, an angel, so you're already not canonical. <laughs> yeah, they're not named. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Let me. I'm gonna now. I'm googling this because you're making me mad. Yeah. All right, all right. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna Google. You making me mad? Well, I see. When I looked at Raphael, he's an Enoch, which is probably where you got where he got yeah. that from. Um, I think it's a little bit. <laughs> And Tobit, I believe, is yeah. Raphael is in Tobit. That's pseudo canonical, so that's why you guys don't know it. It's a cat. It's a Catholic specific book. It's not one of your, one of your well, Protestant I, books. Chris, when you wanted to describe it as a guardian angel concept, I wasn't against it. I'm just saying, end of the no, day. No, it, it reminded me of Tobit. But you, if you haven't read Tobit, well then no. That's, but I'm you know, just saying, end is. end of the day. If it's an angel or God specifically, does it really matter? It's still doing God's will. No, I agree with you on that. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying that it reminded me of that specific story in the Bible was was when the, the angels guiding the guy all the way through the journey, right. and then um, and, and like they disappear, come back, do different things. It again all kind of reminds me of that, which fits the narrative quite a bit. Right. 
Gandalf is a physical presence. Mm -hmm. uh, the, oh, when we are uh, at the end, when the dwarves are going around the mountain and stuff after Smog is dead, but they don't know it. Yeah, they're like still like... Uh, go we got that useful tidbit of information where they go to that watchtower. Right. And they were just talking about how they put a lot of effort in to make sure the guards were comfortable. Probably too comfortable, which is why they <laughs> fell to smog to begin with. Right. Which, I can't tell. Are dwarves able to actually fight off a dragon when it decides it wants its mount their mountain? I don't know. That's I guess really it probably depends clear. on how I mean they the get, they do is. kill some of them. They kill a bunch of uh the um fire drakes in the north before smog comes. Okay. And the the dwarves have so been have been at right? war with dragons for a long time at this point and have been dwindled drastically. The dwarves have been dwindled both, both of them have. Um yeah. but yes, it, they've been they have killed some. I do like okay, how they so like, maybe they could really talk about how elves don't like dwarves, but then he never explains it in the Hobbit why. <laughs> no, they explain it why. They explained why. Not really. The wood elves. Yeah, there's well, a the deal wood elves. They... Yes, they talk about that one. Mm -hmm. But the rest of the elves have a dislike for dwarves. They in dislike general. the way they greed after gold and stuff. Yeah, I mean that's like a generic, but yeah, yeah. okay, fair enough. Um. Oh, what did you guys think of when? It just reminded me of like uh, uh, a little bit of nationalism between the different races in Middle Earth. Oh, there's tons of that. Yeah. What What did you guys think of um, the part after Bard kills the dragon though, and they're calling for King Bard? King Bard. You remember, it reminded me of King Bob. Do you remember in the that scene scared. though, Chris? I do. Yeah, I, I thought that was totally fine. You know, the the people's hero, the master sucks. He's good at no, business. But do, terrible. Do you, at... you remember what they said? They want King Bard. We have had enough of the old men and money uh, counters. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is funny. It's just funny because it's like boomers. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered where you're going with that. I just thought it was funny. So the 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 the, the master of the thing immediately spins that around like no 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 we need to remember who released smog and da, 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 da. he's like trying to change the narrative and control it it's like what you talked about in um oh the what book narrative. was it no no what was the book that we just recently read where narrative drives this like na the first the narrative silver chair important. yes <laughs> yes the or, first what, or was it? Or hear? was it the last battle that we had to change the, the narrative? Or both of them. Before? Both of them are really strong on that. Um, That's right, because the ape, the ape mm -hmm. got the first word in, and this really drives home, like you know, if you can control a narrative, you can control anything. Yeah, because most of the time, if that master focused, was very good at flipping the narrative on on its well, edge. There, let, let's let's put it this way: if your focus is on controlling the narrative, right? That means you are in control of your own emotions. You're thinking very logically and you are, you are channeling the direction of everyone else's emotions. Right. Because most of, most of the, the most average person in whatever the story is, is usually thinking with emotions more than just logically thinking out everything. So right. you controlling the narrative first is going to have a lot more weight and manipulative power. I would agree with that. Yeah. But, I mean, 
where where do you guys rank this book when you compare it to the other Lord of the Rings books too? I can't make that determination, so have I'm going to sit that have one you not out. Re- have you not read the other Lord We've of the Rings talked books? about this. I read The Fellowship and Half of the Two Towers. Oh, that's right. Okay, so I guess we're going to have to rank this after the series. Yes. But it's I hard like... to put this one because it's written well, so Well, you and I have read them all uh, both, Will, so. Yeah. I love this book, so I might put this That's the That's one. the problem. I think I love this book too much. Yeah. This I book is just stronger. This book, this book works with or without Lord of the Rings, period. And that's why I think it's stronger. That's why I want to say it's it's his one of his best books. Also, I, don't, again, I, I remember I, Lord of the Rings was one book. Originally? Yes. Yeah. Which is why the pacing is weird. Read, how on earth could you, you read that as one book? That's why Two Towers sucks, because he has to have <laughs> a part A and a part B. I don't think that ever works well. He could have done better alternating chapters. He should have alternated. I because the journeys happen like that. Fine. I have it all as one book. Actually, hold on, I'll get it for you. No, no, no. It is one book. It's yeah. it's um it's well, the Lord way of the, the Rings parts break out book. though. It sucks. Are you talking about the the full trilogy in one book? Because I know no, that it's not split. It's just one book. So okay. Which it's version not... is that? I have no idea. I picked it up at um that has to be massive. It's, gosh, I hate I hate the background. Gosh, this book is so beautiful. I really wanted to. I'll turn it off. <laughs> it's trying to screen, your screen, uh, your background thing. You're blurring. Yeah. The um. Okay. Look how beautiful this book is. That okay. is really beautiful. Is, what, is that just the two towers? No, no, that's it's the, the whole thing, thing, man. Yeah, no, I, I've got I've got a copy like that actually, not the red one. This cool like thing. It's a the second edition. Um. Oh, I almost bid on one of those. It was going up to about $120. I have to say that... Reminds me a little bit of the Red Letter Bible because some of the letters are in red. (laughs) I got to say, though, that this copy of The Hobbit is beautiful. That's the same type of copy that Will has there. Yeah. Or is that the Easton Press? Uh, No, this is is a very similar style. It came in the the box like Will's did? Yeah, it comes in a box. Okay, no, that is the same. Yeah, it's the same uh, publisher that Will's is. I I I almost bought a set with both of those in it. This thing is so nice. I can't... Yeah, there's an eBay set that's going that's going to be done tonight. It's got about about 150 bucks for both of the ones oh, you really? guys are holding right now. I just now. I couldn't I couldn't buy the really big one uh, for the Lord of the Rings. I just don't want it like that. But that's just me. I've been considering picking up the Easton Press editions. This but is I just my looking like version. I have a reading copy as well. <laughs> oh, that's fair. That's fair then. This I had I couldn't pass up that version of the Hobbit though when I saw it because it's it was just so pretty. Yeah. Yeah. And that green uh, is I think it they have it at Barnes and Noble, and I've looked at it a couple times and I really do want to get it. The Hobbit? The, the Hobbit one is cheap too. I've, mm-hmm. I got it on the Barnes and Noble near me. Is, is sold out of all the nice looking Lord uh, of the Rings well, stuff. It's all paperbacks it on, and garbage card covers. Hey, will I got it yeah. on Amazon for like less than twenty bucks? There okay, is like I a leatherette, fake, fake leather Lord of the Rings, but it does like. I'm like, if you're gonna take the time to make a fake leather Lord of the Rings book, why not put a ribbon in there somewhere? Nope, no ribbons. <laughs> that's I'm sorry, dumb. this this copy doesn't have a ribbon that I have. No, no, no <laughs> I, I understand that, and yeah, that's fine. I just don't know why you take the time to make a more expensive. This is upset that there is Bible verses with no ribbon. No ribbon. I like I like ribbons in my books. It makes it easier to the... track where I'm at. 
You know they have bookmarks now, right? They invented those a while back. <laughs> Nobody likes those. That's okay. I freaking love bookmarks. It's one of my favorite <laughs> oh my things <gosh>. to buy. <laughs> yeah. All I, right. This book is. Speaking of which, we're we're gonna be releasing at some point when Andrew figures out how to do it, metal bookmarks. So keep keep an eye out for that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, if we can. I don't know. All right. But yeah, um, this this book for me, I think is better than Lord of the Rings. I know that's sacrilege to a lot of people. It's just it's so clear and concise as a story that I I, I, I love this story a lot and I would go back and read it again and again. Mm-hmm. And I do. Yeah. It, it's it's I mean compared to uh, Chronicles of Narnia, for example, I've read this like twice as many times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So uh, I have to say, after reading this, I am excited to finally go back through and read Lord of the Rings. You and hopefully, I won't be disa- you, hopefully you I won't st- be disappointed in Lord of the Rings versus The Hobbit. You, you say that now, and then you're gonna be in the second half of Two Towers, and you're like, <laughs> I want to, I want to find a version. Of Honestly, the, two the Fellowship was harder it. for me to get through just because it's so there's so many weird things going on. They have the Barrow Whites, which aren't explained. You have. <laughs> Um, Bombadil, which doesn't explain. Okay, I love the fellowship because it shows a bunch of things that he's still playing with his concepts, mm-hmm. but he never got it around to actually expanding them further. And we've discussed it before. Tom Bombadil is clearly the god of the hobbits. Clearly, yes. His his what, entire what is persona, his uh, wife's name? I forget, Gold, but his entire persona. His entire persona is just the exact same as the Hobbits. Yeah. It's just like show up, mm-hmm. don't really care about anything too major. Life's a joke. Can we talk about That's... the trees that try to eat the Hobbits? Oh, there's yeah. that too, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff in Lord of the Rings that's never wrapped up mm-hmm. with a bow in any capacity. And I think that's the part about the Hobbit that's great, is that everything is yeah. wrapped up at the end. Yeah, it's a the Hobbit. Book, the <laughs> Hobbit. Is, the Hobbit has a nice wrap up to the end of it, and even if Bilbo never appeared back in the series, nobody would feel like he had to come back for any reason in particular, other than except for the, the ring. ring. Right? Yeah. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you didn't read any other books, you wouldn't feel like Bilbo needs to come back. Does that make sense? It's all wrapped up. There's no mm-hmm. reason that you were like, oh, I wish they would do this with Bilbo. No, Bilbo is, is how, handled. This is not even remotely the same genre or book style, but d- the first Dune book wraps itself up very nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't really see like where they would go next, but then it was like, you kind of, your mind's kind of blown with how he does it. I kind of feel the same way with The Lord of the Rings. Because if you, if you didn't read, see the movies or anything like that, and you just read The mm-hmm. Hobbit, you would not at all expect what the hell happens in the next three <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. The Hobbit seems a bit cheerful of a story. Yes. It's, a, it's a much more happy story than the other one. As long as you ignore the movies. My goodness. Yeah, I mean... Nine the, Hours of the Hobbit is about uh, seven I hours to, I love long. them. I went back and rewatched them after seeing the Rings of Power, and they're great. <laughs> well, they're way better. Yeah, compared this, to Rings of Power, man. You've I got you got the, the sequel trilogy eyes now. The problem is... I will is, never complain again. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I don't blame Peter Jackson for what happened with The Hobbit at oh, all. Oh, no. But, well, he but was here, the original director. It was Guillermo del Toro. I know. He, he directed so or had the, most of the it problem, done. The problem... Uh, the only problem I have, and I can forgive it, okay? The, I mean... 
I got multiple problems. The one I can forgive is that they added the orc in there to make him more of a persistent mm -hmm. enemy so that he doesn't just show up randomly at the very end. Well, is he end. technically a goblin, though, or not? They're the same thing. It's the same it's thing. It's two different words. Okay. okay. So um, that's why it gets annoying, because they're called orcs in Lord of the Rings more than goblins. Mm -hmm. um, the, the thing is, I can accept Because there's a distinct addition. difference between goblins in Lord of the Rings and goblins in The Hobbit. Slightly. Dude, the goblins they're, in the mountain are not the same thing as orcs. They're more. They they sit. No, the they smaller one. The smaller ones are called goblins, but they're, they're still orcs. There's no differentiation. It's actually one of those yeah. weird things with his lore, because um, mm -hmm. there's also orc men and goblin men, and no one knows. Are those the same thing? <laughs> it's it's interchangeable. It really it's very, is. It is interchangeable. But whenever is goblins is used, the film directors always took a chance to make them like a little bit more smaller, wiry, yes. wiry type people versus the bigger, beefier ones. Um, yeah, they went off of D and D lore. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, when you um, when you add that work in there, it can make sense. I like though that they added Gandalf's necromancer stuff because mm -hmm. it's it's worth putting it in there. And then the part that I just can't get over is the addition of the needless love story between an elf and yep. the dwarf, and then also the fact that they ride billy goats and pigs and stuff it's like why is this in here what yeah. was the reason to do this except to try to sell plush toys to children <laughs> except he wasn't doing that <laughs> well no but the, what was the point of adding the goats like i don't i don't goofy. get it the thing is like there's parts of it where it's clear they wanted to make a more children's story yeah, and then we have eagles man that talk yeah, so I'm not gonna lie. In my head, I kept thinking the Bjorn part was gonna be Tom Bombadil, and then I remembered Bjorn. I was like, "Oh yeah, Bjorn, the bear dude." Yeah, <laughs> I kept for whatever reason in my head, I kept thinking that Bjorn was gonna be Tom Bombadil, and then and we yeah. got there, I was like, "Oh yeah, similar vibe, the bear though. dude." Similar vibe. He actually kind of copies his Bjorn interaction a little bit for Tom Bombadil. <laughs> I know that's why I was so so dead set it was Besides the fact Tom Bombadil can make the ring disappear and reappear. It's like what the is going I know. on? <laughs> that's why he's the god of the hobbits. Yeah a little bit. He's so powerful of not giving a crap. I still think that it's gotta be a Ubitar watching over the hobbits. It has to be who that is. I just, I just, <laughs> Andrew's just like, I don't know. I don't know, yeah. <laughs> but he seems like the god of the hobbits to me, and that's what he'll always be known for yes. going forth. It'd it's, be great if there was a letter out there somewhere explaining Tom Bombadil. Other that's than, the problem. It's the toy of my child. That's the problem. He's the one unexplained character in my talk. <laughs> without some explanation, you know. Without, yeah, without really any explanation, not. he's just there. I don't know. The fact that he vibes so well with the hobbits, I think, is all the explanation we need. What's the, what's the worst part of the Hobbit? Well, for you, Chris, it's Rivendell, clearly. It absolutely is Rivendell. Like, the only reason that they need that is to explain the translation. You're telling me Gandalf in all his years can't speak that freaking language? No, it wasn't It wasn't the translation. Or it's the just they showed him it and they saw it because oh, they happened okay. to be looking at it at the right time. Uh, no, he needed it to find uh, to have a guide of where is safe in the mountains. He hadn't he hadn't traveled it himself for so long. I'm sorry, but if Gandalf is a direct creation of a Lubitar, why the hell does he need that? It doesn't make any sense to me. What do you mean? Uh, it just doesn't it doesn't vibe with me that he wouldn't know 
these answers. He doesn't have all the answers, man. He's not all knowing. That's only yeah. a guitar. Well, then he's not your God figure, Andrew. Well, I just say he's doing God. He's like, <laughs> I'm just messing with he's you. I'm messing, the I'm messing with you, God. Andrew. It's all good. I no, I, Rivendell's my least favorite part. It's just annoying. Rivendell's that and then, and then when they're looking for the entrance to the to the mountain, it's like, okay, this. this one's not so bad. Kind of I don't like the part where Bard kills a dragon and not one of the doors. Oh, that didn't bad. bother me at all. It I wanted them to do so it. I didn't care if they did it or not. It's anticlimactic. It's it meant scary. to be anticlimactic, right? Because you're us- you're using everything under the sun to accomplish the goal, and it also helps to to flesh out Thorin later on with his whole "I'm not giving you the gold; <laughs> it's my gold." Okay, that's fair. It's to make the reader think he's unreasonable as can be. I mm. agree with you, Chris, that Rivendell's the most annoying because I think mm-hmm. the the elves' songs suck. Yeah, but I honestly, I feel like we might only think that because we know what they become, and it's just That's very true. different. No, but their songs do suck. They're gibberish. They do. I mean, I hate when songs are in a book in general, so. <laughs> you can skip every song in The Hobbit and lose almost no context. But yes. the dwarf songs are fun, so. Well, they um, are. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. They're fun. And, and like, the, the Adder Cop song. Like, what the? <laughs> like, this hey, is the let's, first let's... thing you can think of. We should we should wrap this up though with yeah. a rating of mm-hmm. what we think of this. So, uh, who wants to go first? Ten out of ten. We're out of five. Five. Six <laughs> out of ten. Six out of ten. <laughs> no, okay. uh, I'll do a five out of five. I really enjoy this book. Um, as a kid, this this was my favorite book. Um, and as an adult, you know, as you know, uh, you guys have been pointing out, there's a lot of themes that you really have to pick up as an adult. It's still. Mm-hmm speaks to me to this day i still enjoy it i like the consistent story beats i don't think there's really a part that drags and even in rivendell it's so short that it doesn't right doesn't overstate it doesn't ruin the book it was just boring that's all yeah um i i would say five out of five for me this this is probably one of those like yeah i think everybody should probably just read this book yeah, five out of five for me too. I, I really do enjoy this one on the same level as like the horse and his boy and stuff. It's it's one of those that you want to go back and reread because you yeah, just, oh yeah, it's I would just it again. wholesome as far as the story goes. Yeah, and very few books are written at that scale for kids. Yeah, I mean, at the time that you would read this, it 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 scratches every single itch you have it for a book. And it does keep like the it never feels obvious either, which is nice too. Maybe a little when you reread it, obviously. <laughs> well, I mean, there's clues. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, like it's not so obvious that it's like really I mean, as far really, as a first time read goes, it's probably one of the more exciting books you'll ever it's, read. It's fun. The part, everything's new. The first time you read it, everything's new. And I think that's the power of this book is the first time you read it, it is really a magical book. Mm -hmm. The story is just pure magic. And I think that's what draws people to want to reread it. And it's still enjoyable as a reread. It might not have the same level of magic draw to it, but that first time reading it will always carry it for you. So that's why it's a five out of five. Mm -hmm. But I think we've said that enough. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is there anything left in the tank for you guys on this book not on this book no no all right well 
You're going to have to wait a little while. We'll get back to Tolkien here in a few weeks. Unless you guys really like this, then maybe we'll dive into Lord of the Rings early. Who knows? I mean, um, if we delve into Lord of the Rings early, we'd have to postpone your favorite C.S. Lewis. I'm just saying series. if this one performs well, I would I would consider postponing that. We'll see how Whoa. it goes. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. That's difficult for Chris. <laughs> uh, listen, I, I, I could probably would. gush on Paralandra for a solid two hours, so there's that. But all right, as always, I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And I'm Andrew. And uh, we'll see you on the next Print of the Press. Bye, see guys. See you all later.